Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host, Ryan, here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find the Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us 720-6Nerds5. Aw, man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds at Denver Comic-Con 2015. We hope you enjoy the following interview. I'm Ryan from Real Nerds. I'm with Jim Palmati and Amanda Connor, and I'm going to try not to geek out. Okay. Um, because I love you guys. <laughs> That's okay. You can geek out. Oh, thank you. Because I, one of my things I always point to is I was at San Diego Comic-Con in 2008 when you were there for DC Universe versus Mortal Kombat. Yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. And the questions that were asked were driving me crazy and I always never wanted to be that guy right. I'm pretty sure 90% of the questions were uh, have you ever thought about Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter right, and right, so yeah. that's my that's my new thing to never do is uh, goofy questions like that so thank you so much for taking time out I know you oh. guys are super busy yeah. every time I not go few, by. We have the time. Yeah. few we have the time <laughs> oh I love it uh, good. good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start at the beginning. Okay. What got you into writing and drawing and writing comics and all oh, that jazz? Well, you well, want to drawing... scooch over a little bit? Sure. So you can, maybe you can pick it up. I weigh like 900 pounds, so I have to like get up and then scooch it. There you go. Scooch. Um, well, both of my parents are artists. So there were always art supplies all over the house. And whenever... Uh, you know, whenever I wanted to draw something, my mom was like, oh, good, I can shut her up for a half an hour, <laughs> hand me a piece of paper and some pencils, and I would just draw. And, um, my dad actually wanted to be a comic book artist when he was a kid. But, you know, back way back in the day, parents discouraged their children from becoming comic book artists. So uh, when I decided I wanted to be a comic book artist, he was really encouraging. So, yeah, that, that's how I got into comic book art. And uh, Yeah, me, I just, I, you know, I couple of older brothers comics all over the house um, I loved them when I was a kid I went to high school of art and design I took illustration and comic art and uh, decided I met a couple of comic artists I did background work ghost work for them I saw their poor living conditions and realized I'm not going to do <laughs> comics for a living and I didn't get back into comics I was almost 30 and uh, and when I got back I started uh, doing backgrounds for Mark Texera who was doing Ghost Rider and Punisher in the same month and eventually I got in doing inking, and then um, inked a lot of books, and then uh, started self-publishing. I met Joe Casada in San Diego. We started self-publishing with Event Comics in the 90s with Ash and Painkiller Jane, and then when we had enough of that, Marvel Knights came along, and they hired us to launch with Kevin and all the guys, uh, Marvel Knights. And during that time, I decided I wanted to write more and do less of the art. So I started getting small gigs. I think my first gig at Marvel was Deadpool. Wrote like 40, issue 46 to 56 or something like that. And, um, and then from there I just started getting more writing gigs and eventually I gave up the inking. 
you know, my eyes were not doing great, and uh, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was getting a lot of pencil jobs that were horrible that they kept telling me, can you fix this, can you fix that, can you fix that? And I was like, enough <laughs> fixing. I like to just do some good stuff. And uh, writing took a little time because, you know, it's all about confidence and the editor's having confidence in you. And I started picking up small gigs, and then eventually the gigs got better and, you know, now here we are today. I'd say you have one of the best gigs right now and one of the best written books, uh, obviously, is Harley Quinn. Thanks. Can we talk about how you guys collaborate on that? Because sure. the tone of the book is so specific. And who comes up with the better ideas and who takes credit for it? Okay, you can answer all that. <laughs> I, the best way I've learned how to describe it is um, we, we get together at lunch and dinner and we just sort of bat ideas back and forth. And mostly, Jimmy will like throw something out, and if it makes me giggle, then we'll keep that idea. And um, the way I always say is, Jimmy builds the house, and I sort of paint and decorate it. <laughs> so uh, he like he sort of builds the bones of the script, and then um, and he even throws in some dialogue too that makes me crack up. And then I, I have. Harley's voice so embedded in my oh, yeah. head, yeah. which might be bad, <laughs> but I, I just I hear her so clearly that I can just get her dialogue down so easily, and um, you know what, then I'll tweak and I'll add some panels if I feel like it, it makes um, you know like the beat of the of the scene happen a little bit better. So um, yeah, delivery, the beat of delivery. Yeah. You know she's an artist, so she sees things right differently. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we collaborate. We, we bat around crazy ideas. We laugh and go, there's no way we can do that. And that's usually what it winds up being. Yeah. Because we're like, ah, let's try it and see if they, we see what they got to say. Um, it definitely is a book that, um, on purpose, we make it so no matter when you pick it up, you really don't know what is going to happen or go on. You really, you can't say, oh, I know what's going to happen. Next issue, they're going to, no. It goes off in tangents. All of a sudden, she's hugging a whale. Yeah. You know, there's like just bizarro stuff yeah. going on. And we like that because we're writing a book for ourselves, too. So we have to say, yeah, I've seen the fist fights. Like, it's a million. Every other book does that. So let's just make it more crazy. Let's just have more fun. And, you know, setting it in Coney Island already sets a template of insanity. Having Tony and having Eggy and all the crazy characters and the dog, the beaver, you know, yeah. and uh, Bernie <laughs> the beaver. Now she has a rooster got a rooster now named Mike and all the pets living on the floor you know <laughs> yeah. the floor below right so it's it's so it's definitely like I guess at the same time it's like a stream of consciousness mm -hmm. you know although we do end it, try to end it on a cliffhanger but we also try to resolve by the time of the issue yeah. we, we have no idea what we're doing we just keep doing it <laughs> that's what I think works so well with the Harley Quinn book because yeah. you know one issue she's in Roller Girls and then right. The next one, she's saving senior citizens, and the next one, she's playing her actual doctor as a psychiatrist. Is it hard to write a character which everybody already loves, and now you've actually elevated and given her more depth as a character? Is that part of also taking her out of Gotham and I, putting her in Pony Island? Ironically, it's pretty easy because it's like if you have if you have like Harley's personality and her you know likes and dislikes already in your head you can sort of run with it, you know, you can sort of take it to the next level. Like, you know, like there are things that you know she would do and there are things you know that she wouldn't do. And, um, I mean, if you keep in mind that she's a psycho killer with a heart of gold, <laughs> then, you know... A heart that, of gold. Someone, the girl's uh, fan came up yesterday yeah. to the booth. She goes, she has a heart of gold, 
gold and a head of nuts. <laughs> and I thought that was a great description. A perfect description. Yeah, it was her, like, you know? it's pretty good. And in her head, she thinks she's a hero. Yeah. You know, like, and she thinks Batman's a bad guy. You know, she's like, a, he's a supervillain that she has to save the world from. You know, so if you're in her head, you know, you, you see it, you know, in a different perspective. You know? Yeah, so, we, took, we, we also... When we got the series, we wanted to take her out of the zone where every story would be about Batman and Joker, and, mm-hmm. and so we had to move her out of Gotham. We just thought if we kept it in Gotham, it's another Gotham book, mm-hmm. Yes. so then we'd have to acknowledge everything they're doing in every other book, and it would sort of slow our character down a little bit, because then it would be about whatever the big crossover in Batman's going on, So, and we said, you know, let's move it out from that. We can acknowledge it, but yeah. I don't want to make the book about... Right. The Joker. We wanted to concentrate on Harley just being Harley. Yeah. And I think it works so well because even the look of the book is different because, you know, the Batman books are so dark and brooding. And you open up Harley Quinn and Chad Harden's art is like, boom. And it's like, oh, it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It should look like a carnival. Exactly. It should look like the inside of her head. (laughs) And that's that's what's so amazing. And do you think now we can segue perfectly into the Power Girl team up because those issues work so well. Yeah. Of Harley trying to be Power Girl, yes. and I don't know if she failed, but she realized there's more to it than just right. saying you're a superhero. Well, in her head, she did not fail. That's right. No, in her head, they're a team. And actually, the miniseries is hysterical because it's they're in, now they're in this other place, and they have to go save Bartox, the sexiest man in the universe. Yeah. And uh, Power Girl has no memory of her meeting with Bartox when he needed her help. To uh, how would I say this? Repopulate, repopulate his planet. <laughs> so she has she doesn't remember that. And she's got amnesia. Yeah, so in this know. thing, so when Bartox meets Power Girl in this series, it's kind of funny because it's a one way thing. Power Girl's like, I'd never be with somebody like you, and, <laughs> and Harley thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. Like, yeah, and I, you know, Harley is like, I'm gonna be a matchmaker. Yeah, you know, because uh, Harley loves love. You know, she's a romantic at heart. You know, and it's so clever too because you wouldn't think, you know, when Harley's holding up Power Girl's costume and it's too heavy for her. Yeah. Just little (laughs) things like that, I think, just bring you into the world and you understand where she's coming from. And if you're not sure, then the beaver will tell me what's going on. Exactly. There's a fine line between respect and spoof. Mm -hmm. We try not to spoof anything, we just try to kind of reality it a little bit. Yeah. You know, we we try and, you know, stay on that fence. Right. It's ridiculous. But it's actually what would happen. Yeah, it's wonderfully it ridiculous. Yeah, if it was so. that. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're also doing Starfire. Yes. And uh, how's that going? Like you guys are taking so many books on at once. Well, yeah. we have. We thank God we have Justin Gray on the uh, Power Girl Harley because <laughs> yeah. he's helping. You know, we brought him in because nobody knows Vartox better than Justin. <laughs> and thank God I can live on four hours of sleep. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's star, but Starfire was a, a unique challenge in the fact that. So many people have so many expectations of what they want that character to be in its own book, and uh, at the end of the day, we're like, ah, let's do what we want. Let's see. <laughs> let's see if that works." So, yeah. it is definitely it has a it has a feel, a different feel than Harley, but it has a similar feel to the Power Girl series we did a couple of years ago, a couple of years back. It has a it's a superhero book, but it's not. It's a discovery book because it's a girl, an alien, learning how to like live among us and culture takes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there is a charming aspect to it, and then there's a superhero aspect to it. It's different from Harley, though. Yeah. Um, it's probably more all ages than Harley. 
it is a little it's it's most ages that's what we'll call it um, I like that rating. the audience <laughs> the audience will figure it out if it's for them or not yeah. there's a point where you can't keep second guessing you just gotta write it and hope somebody right. gets it you know yeah. and does DC give you free reign on characters like that they say they've been really nice about you know letting us have you know free reign you know and, and letting us run with their characters DC Dan DiDio, Bob Harris, Bobby, all of them. They are so open to our insanity. Yeah, which is really nice. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're wonderful. And if anything's bothering them, they talk it out in a way of saying, do you think you should? And then we talk it out. And then and we realize maybe they're right on that one. And, or right. maybe they're not. We'll argue it out. But unlike a lot of companies, these guys are all, all they want is the best book we can deliver. So they've been great. You know, yeah. they've just been like yeah. out of control. Great. I mean, yeah. Dan and Bob and those guys. Yeah. They're like, well, you guys understand the character. You go. Yeah. Go do what you awesome. got to do. I mean, granted, we are the king and queen of red flags, <laughs> but that's understandable. But usually, they, you know, once we explain it to them, they're like, okay, go for it. You yeah. know, Amanda gets away with murder. If I ask for it. <laughs> They're like, I don't know. And Amanda goes, you know, I want to do this. And they're like, all right. Because she just says, well, look at this amazing cover I can draw for it. Right. And everyone just right. says, okay, yeah. yes. we got it. You're, you're extremely talented. She has a secret power. That's a, yeah, her power is her art. Well, we've been really lucky, too. Because, I mean, you know, it's it's yeah, my career is a bizarre one. Because, you know, yeah. Harley's here. G.I. Zombie's like the lowest selling book. It gets canceled. I'm like... That's the history of me right there. I'm like, I keep trying weird shit. Sometimes it sticks, sometimes you're, it doesn't. You're, you're very, you, you have a very wide range. I do have a wide range. <laughs> I do like to do, I like my genres. Like, like, I like my genres, man. I like, I like, right? I, I like yeah. my, I like to do fun and then go and do horror and do crazy and science yeah. fiction and, you know. But then, but then you can always say Harley facilitates your need to do your genre books. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It pays the bills. It does. <laughs> I know you guys are really busy. Thank you so much for taking time to Our talk pleasure. to us. No problem. And uh, would you mind signing my books? Uh, I brought a silver pen, too. Oh, oh yes. right. um, it's yeah. Yeah, that's not going to show up on that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't show Michael, but I also brought this one. Super oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. I try not. I hope I wasn't too geeky. Yeah, dude, it's not great. At all. Uh, not at all. It's all good. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Real Nerds interview at Denver Comic-Con 2015, and we'll see you next year. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6Nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover, and also Spark Mandrill for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.